are in part three of a series called The Matter of Quitting. The Matter of Quitting. Quitting is addictive. Um, if you've ever started a health plan and you miss a day, it's real easy just to miss the next day and then the next day. Um, if, you, if you just quit for a moment and eat some ice cream, it's real easy just to go back for seconds, you know what I mean? Um, I, I've got a friend of mine, uh, she quit her job last week, and um, it was just real uh, abrupt, and no, she didn't give uh, the, her employer um, uh, a heads up, just quit. And um, it's like we're starting to think, hey, you know, somebody needs to talk to her because uh, you've done that before, and you can't just keep doing that. You know, quitting gets too easy if you allow it to. Quitting is addictive. But spiritually quitting uh, is a very dangerous thing. And, and nobody knows if you've spiritually quit except for you and Jesus. Uh, you know it, the Lord knows it, but everybody around you can't ever tell oftentimes, especially if you attend church. Because you can attend church, sit on a, a chair, warm a seat for years, but you've spiritually quit. And you know you've quit when you stop exercising your faith. Uh, you stop reading and listening, and, and you, you stop exercising your faith, and, and you also stop expressing your faith. Um, and then slowly there's a deterioration that begins to take place. And I want to talk about the matter of quitting spiritually because when you, when you quit spiritually, it begins to affect everything else in your life. Um, everything else in your life begins to lose momentum and begin to fade as well. And life becomes incredibly hollow. Uh, and it doesn't matter how much money you have or how famous you are or how good looking you are. Um, uh, it still gets incredibly hollow. Uh, there was a guy uh, by the name of Solomon. This guy is the richest guy to ever live. Uh, and history books say that he was also the wisest man to ever live. I believe he, he quit spiritually because um, of, of what he wrote um, in the scriptures. Uh, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, and, and I, I usually speak out of the New Living Translation, but I feel like if you were to sit down at Starbucks with us, it would sound like the message translation, so I'm going to read it out of the message. It reads like this, uh, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1, there are words, these are the words of the quester, David's son and king in Jerusalem. <clears throat> Smoke, nothing but smoke. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. What's there to show for a lifetime of work, a lifetime of working your fingers to the bone, one generation goes its way, the next one arrives, but nothing changes. It's business as usual for all planet Earth. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, then does it again and again, the same old round. The wind blows south, the wind blows north, around and around and around it blows, blowing this way, then that, the whirling erratic wind. 
all the rivers flow into the sea. But the sea never fills up. The rivers keep flowing to the same old place and then start all over and do it again. Everything is boring, utterly boring. No one can find any meaning in it. Boring to the eye, boring to the ear. What was will be again. What happened will happen again. There's nothing new on this earth. Year after year, it's the same old thing. Does anyone call out, hey, this is new? Don't get excited. It's the same old story. (laughs) Nobody remembers what happened yesterday. And the things that will happen tomorrow, nobody will remember them either. Don't count on being remembered. Don't you feel encouraged today? Aren't you glad you came to Celebration Church? You know what? Have a blessed day. See you next Sunday. (laughs) This is from the wisest, most wealthy man to ever live. He just backed up and just said, okay, um, I don't know about you. I've been paying attention, and life is getting pretty mundane and hollow. And we have certain exciting days, but for the most part, um, it's just... Life is like a yo-yo. Some days are good, some days are bad. Up and down, up and down. And it begins to feel pointless. When, when we are not doing what God has called us to do, when that assignment is not what we are laser focused on, everything else in life becomes incredibly hollow. Uh, I've got a, a Monopoly board up here. Uh, I don't know if everyone over there can see it, but um, does anyone here like to play Monopoly? Anyone here? Um, we used to uh, play Monopoly every Thanksgiving at, uh, at our house, and now uh, we have decided that that's not a healthy thing <laughs> to do, and uh, it's actually the entire board game is banned from the house. It's not even allowed to be in the closet, um, uh, because within 30 minutes of starting the game, and I'm saying this with both of my brothers here, lying and cheating begins. <laughs> Does anyone have a family like that? Lying and cheating. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not going to put myself above that. I will be the first one to lie and street because when you're in the room with thieves, you better steal first. <laughs> Are you with me? Uh, I, I, will, I don't even sit down during Monopoly. I pace. I watch. I, I hawk. Um, and, and normally I do not win. I, I, I get caught up in I want to say that I win because for a man, we take stupid things serious. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I want to be the one that has all this business moxie and, and, and I just kind of move things around. I do remember... Uh, the, the first time I did win, though, everything was perfect. Um, I, I passed up on properties that I planned to buy later, and then there were some properties I knew I had to buy now. And um, I navigated the board perfectly. I, I knew when to mortgage my property and when to hang on to it. I learned that there are sometimes you want to stay in jail and just let the dice roll. (laughs) 
Sometimes just being in jail just led. I remember I was 18 years old, and a, a cop pulled me over, and I had an outstanding ticket. I didn't know it, and, and ended up going to jail uh, Christmas Eve. It was like midnight. And the scariest thing was when I walked in, there were people already there, and, and they were, some of them were happy to be there. They were happy to have a warm bed and a pillow, and that made me nervous. I'm like, you guys are too happy about being here. This is, But anyway, uh, when I'm playing Monopoly, that, that one particular game, everything was perfect. And, uh, and, and I just everything was, was just right, and I didn't have to hide any money under the board. Does anyone hide money under the board? Right when they think they got you, go, looky, looky, looky. Just handled everything just, just perfect. And, and, and what I like to do is, is when I get a, 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 like a green, a, a Pacific Avenue, a North Carolina, a Pennsylvania, I like to fan them out and let everybody see it. Uh, my, my wife is usually doing four or five things at one time and wins. And, and she walks around with like her, her stack of cards in her back pocket. Oh, yeah, I think that's my property. And then she ends up winning, ticks me off. But I like, to, I like to fan it out. And, and, and things are going good when I can get a whole row to myself. And when you start coming around the corner, I go, here we go. You're coming to Frankie land. <laughs> and, and when you land, and if I got a house or a hotel on it, we're going to talk about it. Let's see, let's see, let's see what you owe Uncle Frankie. Here we go, here we go. You owe me $26. Give me... And he just owned it. And I would walk around, and of course, when it has a hotel, it's 226, and you're really smoking. I like to fan my money too and pop it. <laughs> when I win, you got to make it rain. Just <laughs> make it rain. And then when the game's over, you know, if I win, uh, which is rare, like I said, I, I like to talk about it. I like to walk around and talk about it. So how'd you do? How many properties did you have? And, and, and talk to the cheaters. My father is the worst cheater there is. Uh, he's the reason why we don't play anymore. Um, and he's going to be here preaching at some point. He pastors an humble. Don't let the pastor title fool you. He traded, my, my sister who's nine years old had boardwalk and he traded her for a piece of chocolate. That's cheating. That is cheating and it's wrong. It's wrong. We got to have some boundaries. But when, when I do win, I like to leave it out and I want everybody to look at it. I want to bronze it. I want to look around. I want everybody to see it. And, and eventually the voice of reason and maturity Allie <laughs> will say, Frankie, are you done looking at it? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not done looking at it. I'm, I'm taking selfies <laughs> with it. And she goes, Frankie, you, you got to put it all back in the box. You got to put it back in the box and put it away. And, and it, it, Monopoly is so much like life because... Uh, it's all about gathering and attaining and gathering and attaining. But at the end, it does not matter how much you have. At the end of the game, it's all going back in the box. It's all, it's all going back in the box. And um, 
many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I, I've, I've talked a few times now. Uh, my father-in-law passed away two weeks ago, and he worked really hard. He worked really hard. He owned a home. He had a lot of stuff, and um, it's all being passed out. Grandkids get some. His daughter gets some. The son gets some. The everybody. It's just he can't have none of any of it. It's it's all. It either is gone or somebody else gets it. It all goes back in the box. And and at some point we we really got to back up and say life is going to be incredibly hollow unless I figure out how this spiritual thing works because that's what's going to give the energy and the inertia and the momentum for everything else in life. And so there's three things I'd like to share with you about quitting. Number 1 is is let's stay focused on our faith, on, on keeping our faith strong, on building our faith. And, and our faith is, uh, according to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And, and that's very hard. To be certain of something that you cannot see. It's very, very hard. And, and you, you have to keep it up. And, and during the worst moments of your life, you got to have an anchor to hang on to when, when faith is really, really thin. Uh, um, I, I've had many seasons where my faith is so thin, I back up and I go, man, I hope we're right. <laughs> have you ever thought that? No? Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, you ask yourself the question, I hope there's really a God. Have you ever thought that? Uh, let me help you with this. There, there, if you don't have an anchor, I'm going to give you my anchor. There has to be a God. There, there has to be. It just from a logical standpoint, there has to be a God. Um, the, the other option is, is Darwin's theory of evolution. And, and, and that just does not hold water. It doesn't hold water. And l- let me show you with this bottle of water. Uh, Darwin says this, that there was a single cell. And, and from this single cell evolved out of it somehow, some way, the wind blew, lava came, whatever. And out of this single cell of life, this single cell of life, there was like a, you know, a form, uh, it took a form, Let's, just for the sake of conversation, a caterpillar. And then it kind of went into like a, a chipmunk. And then and it went to a, 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 a silverback gorilla. And, and, and then from there came human beings. And, and about that time, I usually stop the person and say, your mama might be a silverback gorilla. <laughs> Not mine. Um, but, but here's the anchor that you can hang on to your faith. There has to be a God. Is you back up and you say this, Darwin, <clears throat> Darwin, um, where did the single cell come from? The, the, there was life, and then there, it all evolved from this single cell of life, and it all evolved. Even if I give you that I'm from Roger Rabbit, even if I give it to you, even if I give it to you, where did this first single cell come from? come from? Where did that come from? And somebody asked Darwin that question, and he said, I do not know. And then he said, now let me get back to my theory. There was a single cell, and from there, 
And now you sound like Charlie Brown's mom. Get back to the question. Where did it come from? And if you ask anybody, and you can ask yourself during those moments where your faith is thin, uh, thin, where did it come from? Where did it come from? And if you're ever talking to someone and they say, I don't know, you go, no, that's not, you're not allowed to say, I don't know. If you show up to work and your boss says, where's the report? And you go, I don't know. You, you don't know. If I get home tonight at 4 a.m. and Allie goes, where have you been? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> if I don't know doesn't work anywhere else and we're going to talk about eternity, you don't get to say, I don't know. See, here's the thing. Doubt should not derail us, it should challenge us. Yeah. There's got to be a part of us that goes, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get a little doubtful, and, and I'm, I'm starting that my faith is getting thin. i got to open up a book and read. I, I've got to study, because here's the thing. If everything you believe is coming from your mom and your dad, there's going to come a point where that is no longer enough, and you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. I call it a crisis of faith. And some of you might be having a crisis of faith today. And a crisis of faith is when you get an invitation to dig deeper. To dig deeper. Um, I, I hope that that, that helps you. Um, there was a, a little boy, I've shared this story before, he kept falling out of his bed. Boom. Every night. Boom. Every night. Boom. Falling out. And he, he told his mom, I need a new bed. My bed's broke. I keep falling out. Mama said, honey, your, your, your bed's not broke. You're just not in deep enough. See, the reality is, is that God's not broke. Faith isn't broke. The Bible isn't broke. You're just not in deep enough. And absolutely. There, there's, there's an invitation from the Lord. There's an invitation in, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says that the Bible is not like any other book in the library. It's, it's living and active, sharper than a doubled-edged sword that pierces between the bone and the marrow, convicting the flesh of the thoughts, the intents. There's this, we got to explore, and the Lord invites us to explore. He says, first, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, just don't ever stop praying. Just keep praying. Just don't ever stop. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, it says this, I will, I will reward those who diligently seek me. In, in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says this, you will seek me and you will find to me. I'm not going to let you just spin your wheels and get frustrated. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Don't half step this thing. Give it everything. James 5.16 The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's, we have to take responsibility for our faith. We, we take our pulse. Oh, my faith is getting weak. Don't just fade away. This is, that's called quitting. So number one is, is, is to build your faith. Number two, I've only got three points. I'm only going to keep you here for a couple hours. But number two is, is to build 
a bridge because this is how people get to know the Lord. They, they walk across bridges of relationships to get to know the Lord. And, and the question is, is, is anyone walking on the bridge of your life? And um, I got this really cool uh, story I want to share with you. It's in John chapter 1, verse 35. I want you to see the bridge, the succession of bridges through relationships. Watch this. Uh, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. So John, John the Baptist, he has two disciples with him. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. John's two disciples walked across the John Bridge to see Jesus. A little bit further in that chapter, John chapter 1, verse 40, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. See, Simon found Jesus by walking across Bridge Andrew. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said, come follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip found Jesus by crossing the Andrew-Simon bridge. I've been to those towns. There's more people in this room than we're walking around in some of those smaller towns. In John chapter 1, a little bit further, Philip went to go look for Nathaniel. Philip found Jesus. Now he's going to go look for Nathaniel. He says, we have found the very first person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself. Philip replied, Nathaniel met Jesus by crossing the Philip Bridge. Um, today's going to be an awesome day. It's already been an awesome day, but nothing's going to happen today that's better than the moment I had between the first and second service. I was out in the lobby, and I, I saw somebody that uh, my wife and I invited to church about a year ago, and he's an usher with us today, and he came up to me and goes, Hey, I want to say thanks because I walked across Bridge Frankie. I said, will you hug me, because I'm going to cry. I've got to look back on my own bridge and make sure that it's well-worn. It's well-worn, that people are walking across the bridge. This is a big thing. When we are no longer giving what we have, what we do have gets stale. Did you hear me say that? It, it, it's got to come out. The only way to receive more is to give what we have. We got to drag people. We got to look for people. We got to drag them to church. And, and some of you are, are here today because somebody 
dragged you to church. And I just want to say, first go through your family and make sure your family is in church. And, and if you have to, make a deal with them. Give me three a month. Give me two a month. Give me one a month, whatever. But at the end of the day, you and I will feel most alive when we keep our faith up, number one. And number two, we build our bridge. And that is when the, the thrill of life is really great. Is there anyone here like thrill rides? like roller coasters and stuff. I put your hand up in the air real high. You guys are not normal. <laughs> All right? You're not normal. We, uh, our family went to uh, San Antonio um, last week just for the weekend, and, and my wife uh, wanted to go to Six Flags. And I said, you go ahead and go. I'm going gonna, gonna to just, ha I'm going to bond with our daughter, Kate, who's two, here at the hotel. And so she took the kids to Six Flags with her brother and her cousins. I was like, y'all go have fun. And, and it's always crazy because when they're leaving me, this is the second time they've left me, and I'm fine. No, I'm no complaining here. I'm good. They're like, are you sure you don't want to come? Are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I am sure I don't want to come. Who in their right mind walks up to a chair that you are not allowed to get in unless you are this tall? If you're this tall, you can get in a Boeing 747. You can get in a car, you can get in a van, you can get on a train, but you can't get in that seat. Because in this seat, Please keep your hands inside of the vehicle and we are not responsible for any lost items. What is about to happen? This is going to be awesome. Oh, look, you can see Reliance Data. Put your hands up. It's awesome. You know what? 
I'll tell you what a thrill is. Just waking up in the morning is a thrill to me. Get on I-10. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy out there. Now, here's, a, here's a thrill. Some of you are experiencing this this morning. When you bring a guest to church, your heart is going... I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I brought my friend today. Don't mess it up. (laughs) I've gotten text messages before. Friend coming. Be funny. (laughs) And then another one come right, but not too funny. That's weird. Get it, I get it, I get it. It is, it is a thrill. It is like a rush. I've brought friends to church many times, and I'm nervous. I'm like, Frankie, don't mess it up. Come on, dude, don't mess it up. You got to see them at the school the next day when you pick up the kids. It is a rush. And I want to say this. When you are building a bridge, it is a rush. And if you don't know the rush that I'm talking about, you haven't brought a friend in a while, I want to encourage you to bring a friend. You will feel a rush in the rest of the day today, even when the Texans lose. I mean, if the Texans... Man, we're not having a good year this year. We got to pray about that. And those, those varmints in Dallas are doing awesome. Focus. I was supposed to take the blue pill this morning, and I forgot. (laughs) Just start praying for me right now. We got to build that bridge. Number two is, number three and finally, is is we got to make sure we build our vocabulary properly. See, words create worlds. We will quit if we're not building our faith, if we're not building a bridge and giving what we have away. And and our words cannot make everything around us begin to die, including ourselves. Words create worlds. And, And what I've learned as far as words are concerned is positive people will always have influence. Negative people, argumentative people, are tolerated but never celebrated. I, I learned this when I was uh, listening to Pastor Joel. My wife and I used to be on, uh, on staff there. And, and every single sermon was positive. And I'm like, what's up with that? And then I realized that the Bible is, is the, AKA, otherwise known as the good news. <laughs> Uh, It it just takes a little bit extra effort to say the same thing in a positive way. It's easier and quicker to say things in a negative way, like, hey, shut your fat mouth. That's pretty easy. (laughs) Hypothetically. It, It takes a little bit more energy to get the same exact message across a little bit more time to get the same exact message across with positivity. I want to encourage you to do that in your life because positive people will always have influence. And words create 
worlds. Words are tools to build a person up or to tear them down. And one of the two is always happening. So how do we make sure we don't quit? Number one, we build our faith. We say focus on building bridges. And we build our vocabulary. And when that happens, awesome stories take place. Including these. Take a look at this. When I first came to Celebration, I felt invited, welcomed, and at home, really. Um, the people were just all wearing a smile, shaking your hand, and uh, inviting you in. What is different in my life today because of Jesus? I mean, what isn't different? Um, there's not one thing that's the same. Jesus changes everything. Why do I want to be baptized? I've just always known baptism to be an outward symbol of an inward commitment. And um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I want the whole world to know. And this is just the first step. I'd like to thank my great aunt Diane for inviting me to celebration. Um, I just want to thank you and, and have you know what an impact it's made on my life. Felt very warm and welcome. Uh, I've been to a lot of different churches, uh, mostly because I was forced to be there uh, for whatever, you know, various reasons and stuff. But um, it's very, I could tell that people were definitely different and definitely um, accepting. I could tell there was, and probably the biggest thing is I noticed there was no judgment on anybody's face, you know, outwardly, and their hearts at once I got to know people too, uh, at all. Uh, no judgment whatsoever. I think the biggest difference is the people in my life. Um, I noticed that the people that, that used to be in my life just one by one almost were just shifting and just these people are gone and these people are gone for whatever you know various reasons um, and obviously for the better uh, you know I didn't need a lot of those people in my life um, most of them weren't bad people necessarily they did have bad habits um, and it led me to you know do bad things too but um, definitely that and knowing that I have a purpose and knowing that there's more than just death and that's it you know now there's um, there you know there's heaven after this so that's uh, and that there's a plan uh, knowing that there's a plan for my life is very important so thank you David for inviting me to celebration um, you mean the world to me brother and I love you thank you I'm Peyton and I'm nine years old and I want to be baptized to show the world that I'm the lead, that Jesus is the leader in my life. What Jesus means to me is that he helps me whenever like whenever I have problems and he died for the cross for every one of us and he's gives me wonderful family and friends. I like celebration church because it it's like a little it's like home to me. I have lots of friends and family that see me and 
They make me happy whenever I'm sad, and it makes me love it even more every time I visit. Every day. I want to thank my mom and dad that for bringing for bringing me to church ever since I was born. Hi, my name is Seth Cantu. I'm 11 years old. Jesus has always been a part of my life, but a year ago, I was saved, and I went to a vacation Bible school, and I just, they were talking about how being saved, and I just really wanted to do that, and this is my next step in Christ. <laughs> when I first came to Celebration Church, I noticed a difference in the other churches from around this area. We've been to many different churches. We tried, uh, we tried quite a few. We felt the spirit here more present in the uh, people who worship here and in the way we worship. Uh, this church to, to us represents real life. Because of Jesus being in my life today, I feel more blessed, I feel more aware of my spiritual self. I'm not so worldly-minded as, as I used to be in my youth. I, uh, I find myself more in tune with who I really am. I was baptized Roman Catholic as, as a baby. And uh, here, 65 years, almost 66 years later, I find I want to make it a conscious decision, uh, one that has been of my own free will, where I can renew my faith in Jesus and his salvation and his promise to us. Uh, I, I have more faith now, and life has changed. I've, uh, I've experienced quite a road, and, and I feel my path now is, is much more direct and in line with where I should be. Kelly Copeland, I want to thank you very much for inviting my wife Diana and myself to Celebration Church. We uh, find it's changed our lives quite a bit and uh, we thank you very much.